Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, continues our Undone series, speaking on less waiting and more doing. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Thank the Lord. Come on, let's give him a big praise. It's a great weekend. While you're in the clapping mood, didn't Tamara do an amazing, last, amazing job last weekend for Mother's Day? Come on. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you so much. Delighted to be with you. Uh, just, I, I was just blown away with Tamara's message last week. It was phenomenal. I'm a little partial, though, you know? Um, I celebrated a birthday last week, and I wanted to say thank you to all your well wishes, your gifts, your love, your cards. Uh, thank you so much. Just felt a little bit overwhelmed. Tamara's birthday is Monday. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're getting younger as the years go on. We're just getting younger and younger. That's how that works. And we celebrate our anniversary here at the end of the month. Uh, on the 29th, we'll have been married 28 years. So here's me and my bride. She, uh, if you uh, know football terminology, I'll kick my coverage by far. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. We pray that you would help us to see your glory, your goodness and that you would restore our hearts from the inside out. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. We're in a series called Undone in a world that seems like it's falling apart in all kinds of ways, and it does, doesn't it? It just feels like it's just unraveling all over. The Lord wants to put us back together, uh, but he wants to do it his way. He really does, and he wants more of some things and less of some other things. And today we're going to talk about less waiting and more doing, less waiting and more doing. Anybody here today, those of you who are online watching at our campuses, any procrastinators in the house? I'm going to raise my own hand. Uh, Tim Urban does a TED Talk, and the TED Talk is really it's something that you need to check out. It's a really good TED Talk. It's short. It's about 15 minutes. And he talks about the difference between procrastination that ends in a deadline and procrastination that does not have a deadline. And when we have procrastination, like a lot of us do, um, I'm, <laughs> I've got it. Uh, usually you just, you wait, you wait, you wait, you wait, you kind of sit around a little bit, sit around a little bit, and then, you know, the panic monster shows up. <laughs> and the panic monster causes you at the last minute to jump into action and you meet the deadline. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. I mean, all, everybody who's a procrastinator, give somebody else a high five. <laughs> Go ahead. If you're not a procrastinator, you're like, I'm not giving you a high five, bro. He waited too long. <laughs> Some of you knew what a syllabus was for in school. Some of you, you know, I don't know. It's the day before, right? The procrastination that's a little bit more difficult to get a handle on is when there's no deadline. There really is just no deadline. And a lot of times... And I'm kind of spoiler alert here. A lot of times when there's no deadline, we don't do anything. We just don't have the panic monster show up. And so there's no immediate sort of catapult into fixing something that needs to be fixed, maybe even at the last minute. And so the question today is, what has God been asking you to do that you just haven't got around to yet? What is God, I, I, so some of you are rolling your eyes like, oh, Jesus, you're laying it on heavy already. <laughs> oh, Lord. What is, the, what is God asking you to do? What's he been asking you to do in your heart, your life, your children's lives, your home? Maybe it's something as simple as cleaning your garage. Lord, help us. 
Maybe it's uh, the spring cleaning in the house. Maybe it's uh, taking care of your finances. Maybe it's doing something with your kids. Maybe it's carving out more time to be with them. Maybe it's time to be with your spouse or carving time to be with your college student that uh, is here for a little while. Whatever it is, maybe it's serving in the church. We're talking about that together. Whatever it is, God is asking us to go ahead and um, actuate. Go ahead and turn this thing on. Go ahead and jump in there. Less waiting. Everybody say it. Less waiting. More doing. More doing. God is calling us to the wall. God's calling us to the wall. The nation of Israel was in captivity. Babylon had conquered them. They were in captivity for 70 years. And then some really key people came to lead the nation out of the captivity. If you have a Bible, join me in the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, okay? I'm going to read some scripture and then I'm just going to unpack four things for us. And God wants us to pray more, doesn't he? Come on, anybody? Two people in the house? God wants us to pray more, right? Front row, amen. You got to love that. What about the back row? We got an amen in the back row? We got an amen? We got a, it's a smaller one in the back row, amen. Right? <laughs> amen. He's asking us to pray more. He's asking us to be bold in our affairs. He's asking us to rebuild and then to fight. To rebuild and then to fight. Our, listen, I, I really believe this. Um, if we don't fight, we're going to get what we've, we're not asking for. And our nation is like fast forwarding into this. And, and boy, I could just, you know what I mean? I could trip right now, stub my toe and start talking about all kinds of things that are not in my message. I have that little rumbling going on right here, but I am going to repent and get to my message in Jesus name. I, I am. I, I, the church, how many of you believe that the church is the hope of the world? The church is the hope of the world. The church, is not a, the church is not a brand. It's not a person. It's not a building. You are the church. And you're the hope of the world. Christ lives inside of you, and we're the, you're the only Jesus that anybody around you is ever going to see until he comes back in his glory. What's up? Until he comes back. So we're his representatives. Okay. Uh, Nehemiah 1. In the month of Kislev, the 20th year, I saw... Uh, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned a little bit of scripture reading today. Is that okay? Uh, cool. Okay. One of my brothers came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and about those in Jerusalem, the remnant. So people that lived through the difficult time of the 70 years of captivity, they came back and years before, several kings had tried to help Israel rebuild the temple. It was the tabernacle first, and they met in tents, and then they built the temple, and then it was destroyed. And now they're trying to rebuild the temple. So they had built the foundation, but they needed to finish the temple, the church. Three, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the providence are in great trouble and disgrace. I believe that the church is in great trouble and disgrace. The church in America is in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. The wall of the church is broken down and the culture tells us what to do. God wants us to tell the culture what to do. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And then I heard uh, these things and I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before God of heaven. And then I said this and he, he was broken 
He really felt the pain. He went to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, come on, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servants praying before you today, night and day, your servant, the people of Israel, for the people of Israel, I confess the sins of Israel. Wow, that's a way to pray. Including myself and my father's house, we have committed against you. Lord, help us. We've sinned against you. We've acted very wickedly towards you. We've not obeyed the commands and decrees and the laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave to your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, come on church. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if, even your exiled people that are the furthest horizons, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. For my name. Even if we've sinned, even if we've broken a covenant, when we humble ourselves and we bend our knees and we get on our face to pray, God hears our prayer. When we, so a church prayer is like this. Lord, you hear him preaching the gospel. I just hope she's listening. That's a church prayer. A Christian's prayer is, Lord, I hear him, her preaching, and my heart's broken. And God, I'm asking you to heal me. I'm sick. I'm asking you to heal my family. They're sick. I'm asking you to heal the sins of my generation, my fathers, my grandfathers, my household, my sin, my stuff. God, I put myself on the line. Myself on the line. I, I, I'm not asking God, do you heal or you know, give somebody else an update? God, give me an update. God, help me. So we need to pray. I'm asking, uh, I'm calling on us again to come to noon prayer. Everybody say noon prayer. Yeah. All right, Fiona Reed. You know, it's really unusual to have a church. Uh, Fiona, it's really unusual to have a full-time staff person for prayer, but we believe in prayer at the crossing. And so I want to say to you, if you can, come. Yeah, you can thank God for that. Come on. Okay, listen. Let me, let me, let me keep going. If, if you can come to noon prayer, come to noon prayer. Why? Because in the proximity of other believers, God dwells among his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. And so where we can have proximity, we want to have proximity. We want to come. It's been a long year of COVID, hasn't it? It's been over a year a long year. So where you can, when you can come, come. If you can't come, log in and join us. We, we, we can pray. And Fiona has the heart of an intercessor. I'm telling you, Fiona Reed has the heart of an intercessor like nobody I've ever seen before. And bonus, she's English, so she sounds good. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> come in person. Come in person if you can. Come. Come on, let's come and pray. Let's come make a difference. Let's, let's come and pray. Uh, there was a gentleman that came to our church years ago, one of the oldest gentlemen who had ever received Christ. I led him to the Lord. He was late 70s and was almost 80. Came and they just came and started to come into prayer. This was years and years ago, but they came. It was seven o'clock in the morning. It's at least now at noon on Wednesdays. Okay, so we've given you a break. Wednesday at noon, come if you can. If you can't, log in at work. We would really love for you to dial in. It really makes a difference. And tell your coworkers, tell your friends, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat my lunch or I'm gonna fast my lunch and we're gonna pray together. Wow, it could be, it could be cool. 
And they came at seven o'clock in the morning. This was years ago. And after eight weeks of being in prayer, he said to me, God has delivered me of a struggle that I struggled with for over 40 years. I said, how did it happen? He said, I was just sat here. I never said a word. I didn't say anything out loud. I just prayed while they were praying and God's delivered me of 40 years of an addiction. 40 years. Woo! Okay, when we pray, you need a time and a place and a list. You need a time and a place and a list. Uh, every night uh, before I go to bed is my time to read the word and we have an app that's called YouVersion and a bunch of people in our church are on YouVersion at the same time. So Y-O-U version. And you can just jump into YouVersion. You can jump into the app with us and you can read Old Testament, New Testament. You wanna read four or five chapters a day. It does not take that long, church. And so every night, just about every night before I go to bed, if, you know, I, 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 and I sit, the place where I sit is a lounge chair. Don't judge me. It's very comfortable. And I have pillows on both sides. Why? Because uh, I've had some neck things. And so I have to prop my arms up the right way to hold my phone or my Bible. I've got a heating pad that goes behind me. Come on, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I want to be comfortable so I can make a difference. I really do. I want to get myself. You need a time and you need a place and you need some things written down. And so what I want to do is, is I just want to give you an example. The best way you can pray is to pray scripture. That's the very best way you can pray. Psalm 122, Israel's going through some stuff, right? You need a time and a place and you need some, you need some writing. You need the scripture in front of you to pray. Let's pray for Jerusalem. Father, pray for the peace. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is Psalm 122. It's a messianic prayer. It includes the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. How many of you know that those who bless Israel are blessed and those who curse Israel are cursed? How many of you know that's scripture? That's not your pastor. That's what the Bible says. Okay. Verse six, pray for the peace of Jerusalem and may those who love you be secure May there be peace within your walls. We pray for Jerusalem and the security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will say peace be within you. We speak peace in Israel today in Jesus name. Verse nine, for the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, we know when he comes back, he's coming through the nation of Israel. He's not coming through another nation. And I will seek your prosperity, the peace of Israel and the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. And Lord, we want to end like this. Lord, please awaken your spirit to embolden and to bring hunger to your sons and daughters who are Hebrews so that they might know Messiah. God, until they see you face to face in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Number two, number two. So we need to pray, don't we, church? We need to pray. We, we just, we need to pray. We need to pray together. We need to pray privately. We need to pray. We need, we need to ask God. We need to really ask the Lord. We need to petition him. All right. Nehemiah 1, 11 through uh, 2, 8. 1, 11 through 2, 8. Okay. Did I finish the text of scripture? Yes, calling on your name. Uh, 10, I'll finish that scripture. They're your servants and your people whom you, de you redeemed with your great strength and your mighty hand. All right, now we go to verse 11. Verse 11 and then two through eight. We need boldness in our affairs. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. 
Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. You'll see who that is in a second. I was the cupbearer to the king. This is Nehemiah. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, he was the one who would drink the wine, and if something was wrong with the wine, he would be deceased and not the king. I took the wine and I gave it to the king, and I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me. This is a discerning king. He is not a believer. Artaxerxes, he's a, he, he's a, he's a great king. Uh, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? The king asked Nehemiah. This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. That's the right thing to say to a king. <laughs> Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? Why should we not be sad when the church is under siege? For the king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. And so make a little earmark here. When we're at work, when we're in the grocery store, when we're with our children, when we're at their college, when we're in the marketplace, when we're at the ball fields, we need boldness, don't we? We really do need a boldness before the Lord, but it really needs to be directed at God. Five, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and your servant has found favor in your sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. He has a desire to help the church. He has a desire to see the temple rebuilt. Uh, then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, there's so many things I could teach here, how long will your journey take? So his boss says, okay, I, I see what you're asking for. Give me the details. You know, let me know what's go going on here. When will you get back? And if it pleases the king to send me, so I set a time. Very important. Seven. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates. This is a trade route so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Jerusalem, or excuse me, Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so he will give me timber and make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of God was upon me, come on, say the hand of the Lord. Be bold so the hand of the Lord can rest on you. Be bold. Because the hand of the Lord was on me, the king granted my request. The king granted my request. So a couple of things here. God is asking us to feel it, church. When's the last time that you wept, either in your bedroom or your bathroom or publicly in the church or whatever it is, when's the last time you wept over the condition of the church? Whew, baby. When's the last time we said to God, God, oh God, your church, she's supposed to be beautiful, a bride adorned with jewels. She's supposed to come out in her splendor, but oh God, she has broken wings. Lord Jesus, help me, help us to find her grace again in Jesus' name. Help me to make her beautiful again, God. I, I don't want to see the church like this. Some of the stories that I, I'm not going to recount a single one <laughs> because we're happy today. I'm not going to recount a single one. Some of the things I'm hearing about the church, and, and it's just, it really is difficult. I don't know what your burden is. I want to ask you a question. What's your burden for the Lord? What's your burden? What just, when you watch the news, scratch that. Don't watch the news. When you come in and out, when you observe your family, when you come to church, when you um, 
encounter this world that we're dealing with, what is the thing that you just say, I wish that would be fixed? Because whatever your burden is, if you have a burden and you're a Christian, God has the same burden. God probably has the same burden. In other words, the burden probably comes from God. If you're, really, if you're a believer and you love God, the burden that you have means God wants you to do something about the burden. God wants you to do something about what you're burdened about. You say, I, I, man, I just, man, this should be different. Then find some other people that the, this is the same and let's get after it. Let, let's get after it. God wants you to feel it. He wants you to be bold. He didn't ha- hide the fact that he was afraid. He said, I'm afraid. And when scripture says this, I, you know, I could go on and on. When he says he was afraid, he meant that he said to the king, oh, I'm afraid. Because if he got it wrong, not only would he get scolded and be, you know, not promoted to the next job, he would lose his life. He would li- literally lose his life. So I don't know if we could underestimate the pressure that Nehemiah was under, but his burden gave him his boldness, his burden, his, because I just can't, I can't stand this any longer. Church, are we at the place where we can't stand some stuff any longer? Come on, really? No, really, it's a good thing that God's putting inside of you. We just say, I can't stand, uh, you know, think of Popeye. Some of you know what I mean. I'm going to, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Be bold, be specific, be specific. He said, all right, I'm granting your request. I'm going to give you favor. You're not going to lose your life. You're not going to be demoted. You're going to be promoted. I'm going to send you back. You're going to rebuild the walls. And then he says, now tell me about it. And listen, in your prayers and when you ask, when you ask your boss, when you ask your oversight, when you ask the person that runs the little league, when you ask the person that runs the neighborhood, when you ask, when you ask, coming from the boldness of God, be very specific. He said, I, here's the time, here's the access. I want access to the trans-Euphrates and I, I want written permission. How many of you know, even after you get all of that stuff, you're gonna have opposition? <laughs> it's still coming, church. <laughs> still coming. Okay, here, here's the, the, for the younger crowd, here's the tweet. What are you willing to risk to accomplish the will of God? What are you actually willing to risk to accomplish the will of God? God wants, us, God wants to ask us that question. Really, I'm not asking, can you, would you do me a favor? Can I, is somebody in the crowd here, can I, what, what's your name? Kim. Kim, Kim I'm, I'm not asking all of them. I'm asking, God is asking Kim, God's asking Greg. What are you willing, you don't have to answer the question, by the way. Kim's like, test, test question. <laughs> what are you willing to risk Name, 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 name. He's not saying to your wife or to your cousin or to your mom, what are you willing to risk? He's asking you, me, what are you willing to risk to achieve, to accomplish the will of God? And so what's happened in our nation is we've really shrunken back, haven't we? God is saying, oh, come on. Stand up with me again, church. Stand up, church. Stand up with me. In uh, June, all over the world now, we, it's LGBTQ month, isn't it? June. It's Pride Month. They call it Pride, right? 
right? We're having a gentleman the second week, the 12th and the 13th. His name's Christopher Yuan, and he and his family, incredible story, you guys. They're going to come and talk about holy love at the crossing, okay? And what we, some of you, everybody take a deep breath. Come on. I mentioned LGBTQ. You get tense. It's okay, you guys. God, God wants to speak to us. And he's going to talk, come talk to us about holy love. And I want you to ask your friends, your family, your neighbors. It is not a, we're not going to go, it's not a big city thing. We're not doing any of that. It's not a big old public thing. I want to educate people at the Crossing Church about holy sanctity. I want to bring you some, some foundations from a guy who's been through it. And I really want us to start to understand and to start to open our language, to start to open our minds, our understanding, to not be afraid anymore and be equipped to love people who need Jesus. I'm telling you. In July, Mark David Hall is coming. He is a professor, incredible man. He's going to talk to us about the origins of our nation. He's, it's it's, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be, I almost said awesome and awful at the same time. It's awesome. Put that together. It's, so listen, there's so much confusion out there, isn't there? So and we just want to get back to our roots. We just want to do what God's asking us to do, okay? God is good. Three, he wants us to rebuild. He wants us to rebuild. God is asking us to pray. He's asking us to be bold. He wants us to rebuild. Nehemiah 4, 6 through 12. 4, 6 through 12. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height. For the people worked with all of their hearts. But when Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, when the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. So here's what I want to say to you. When we do the will of God, people are going to get upset about it. Just because you name the name of Jesus and just because you smile and just because you hand your neighbor their paper and you say in the name of Jesus and they know who you serve and all that stuff, people are going to be upset with you for nothing. But the Lord says, when all manner of evil spoken against you, I have blessed you. I have blessed you. Okay. When the walls had gone ahead, the gaps were being filled. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem, the church, and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. Meanwhile, watch this. Meanwhile, the people in Judah, the people inside the church said, the strength of the laborer is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall. Come on, somebody. You can tackle that garage. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or they can see us, we'll be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to their work. But the threat to the enemy, right? I'm going to take you. I'm going to take your family. I'm going to, I, I, you just go ahead and serve the Lord. I, I'm going to come after you. 12. Then the Jews who lived near them, the people inside the church who were listening to the people outside the church. Come on, somebody. The people who were inside the church who were listening to the people outside the church came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. 10 times. They came to Nehemiah and they said, hey, Nehemiah, it's a great thing that you're rebuilding the church. And hey, I know that everybody's been working really hard and we got half the wall up, but I want to tell you, they're going to kill you. 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 They're not going to kill you. 10 times. 
rebuild the wall. Come on, Crossing Church, rebuild the wall. Rhetoric. Rhetoric. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Let's deal with our fears. First of all, when we deal with fears, Satan always wants to access our weakness first. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to speak this. I really believe somebody needs to hear this today. You're dealing with fear and Satan wants to come to you at your weakest point. And you need to say to him, yeah, that was Tuesday. But on Wednesday, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm, that was Tuesday. You, you can say to him, yep, that was my worst day, but I have good days too. And I take an average. Don't come at me at my weakest point. Don't, don't let the enemy discredit you and disqualify you. Didn't Hector deliver a rocket two weeks ago? Pastor Hector, don't let the enemy discredit you or disqualify you on your worst day. You're going to have bad days, but you're going to have a bunch of good days too. He always wants to come and say, the work is too big. There's not enough time. You're not going to get it done. God's not going to help you. Things are going to go wrong. And he wants to always weaponize what he says by making it terminal. He always wants to make it terminal. If you say that to your boss, you're going to lose your job. You're going to get kicked out. Uh, you, you can't eat for a month and your kids are going to be out of school. They said, well, that's a little bit much, right? That's a little bit much. He wants to make it terminal. When we go to serve the Lord, the enemy is always coming with accusation and he wants to put as much on us as he can. And then he wants to multiply those terms. Just, you know, one time, two times, three times, four times, five times, six times, seven times, eight times. Listen, if you hear this thing in your ear over and over and over and over and over discrediting you, I guarantee you that's Satan. I guarantee you. So if your neighbors and the television are saying all the time, run for the hills, run for the hills, run for the hills, run for the hills. On the eighth time, just go, start it off. Right? He said, no, I'm running to God, running to God, running to God. I'm, I'm not running for the hills. I'm running to my hope. I'm running to my Savior. Because if you entertain that voice, it multiplies the wrong mouth. So, so listen to me. I'm going to say it again. If you listen to that voice over and over and over and over again, it multiplies the mouth of Satan and his mouth gets huge. And by the way, God's mouth shrinks. And God wants to know who you're listening to. I have spoken my word and I have called you to go forth in every place you place your feet is anointed. I have said, take the land, it's yours. God has given you your home. How many of you believe God's given you your home? Come on, take it back. Take your home back. Take the anointing oil out and walk around your house and say, get out. This is my house. This is, this is the Lord's house. I'm not going to be afraid. We're not going to be in night terrors and we're not going to yell at each other. We're not going to have fighting in this house. We're going to have anointing and prayer and blessing in life. I'm not living like, we're not going to live like this. I live for Jesus. I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> Ooh, I could say so many things, but I'm not going to. I love you. I love you. Thinking of another movie. <laughs> prayer, boldness, rebuilding, and the last one he's called us to fight. And this is a holy war. It really is a holy war. Nehemiah 4, 13 through 23. 
Therefore, here's what Nehemiah did. I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall, where's the, where there's the low spots is where God wants us to run to. The points of the wall at exposed places, posting them by families. Come on, family. Everybody say families. families. All right. Families, 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 with their swords, spears, and their bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the people that have the most influence, people that are maybe speaking the most, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and for your homes. Come on, in the name of Jesus. 15, when our enemies heard that they heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work each to his own work. From that day on, half of the men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves uh, behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. That's the pastors and your, those who are praying for you and lifting you up and encouraging you and backing you up. Those who carried materials did the work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And the builders wore their swords on their sides as they worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Why? Because they were all around the wall in Jerusalem. And when they sounded the trumpet, when there was trouble, everybody, part of the people of all the sections left their wall to go to the sound of the trumpet. Why? Because that was a place of weakness where everybody needed to be at that moment. That's noon prayer. <laughs> Verse 19, then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out and we're widely separated from one another along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. 21, so we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light until dawn till the stars came out. I believe it's coming into the season where we're just, we're, we're going to execute 24 hours of prayer. I really, I really feel like it's coming to the season where, where God is calling us into the place where he's saying, I want you to pray and stay on your face and pray and stay on your face and pray and stay on your face. And at that time, I also said to the people, have every man and its helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve as guards by night and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor the men nor the guards with me took off their clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. And so they didn't wear, their clothes were different than our clothes. They had layers of clothing. And, and so they're saying, I kept all the layers on and I had my spear and my trowel. I had a spear on my side and a trowel in my hand. And so they reported, can I ask you to do this? Let's come serve the Lord as family units at the crossing. <laughs> families reported as families and they all, say all, they all had a sword or a dagger. Maybe you don't want to carry a sword, but carry a dagger at least. That means you have weapons. You're weaponized against the enemy. They had a sword, a weapon, and they had a trowel. They were working with one hand, defending with another. Working with one, defending with another. By family units. This is an all-in decision, church. It's an all-in decision for Jesus. That's what the Lord is asking us to do, reflecting from the scripture. Come on, make a decision to be all-in. I'm, I'm asking you right now, post-COVID, post those who are watching online, post, 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 to make it stick now. Let's come out of what we've come out of and let's see the church in the city. Let's see the crossing church. Let's see the churches. Let's see the church stand up in her glory. Let's see glory on your house. Let's see glory. 
In Nehemiah 7.70, it's a few chapters forward. I want to say this to, to those of you. I've been praying about this for the last month. And sometimes as I pray and um, God just gives me this little piece. Uh, it said that the people contributed to the work. And I want to thank you. And I want you to really clap heartily. Thank you so much for your efforts and all of your resources that you've given. God is doing amazing things. Can we thank the Lord, please? Okay. Incredible. In 770, Nehemiah addresses the nobles. And there are probably a hundred families in the crossing church. And, and let, me, let me just, let me see if I can, I'll just find it for you here. Okay. 770. Some of the heads of the families contributed to the work. Small sentence. Then it goes on and it says, a few of those families that contributed to the work equaled to the whole part of everybody else. So here's what I want to say. If you're one of those families, if you're in the room, if you're watching online, God is calling on you. God's calling on you. God's calling on you. If you, if you have been blessed, you have a great mind, you went to a great school, you have great earning potential, you and your husband, you and your wife, whoever, you're single, you have that incredible ability that you have. God is just saying to you, why don't you go ahead and give to the resource of the ministry so that we can do this so that we can do this. And very, very soon here, we're gonna be helping people get their substance, their money. There's lots of people that didn't get their PPE or PPP. I keep calling it PPE. You know what I mean? The substrate from the government that was given to us, you know what I mean? There's a bunch of people that didn't get it. I believe we need to help people in our community, don't we? We really do, church. We really do. And so that subsidy needs to get into the hands of people. There are people right in our own, in our own midst that are struggling. Groceries, bills, it, it is incredible. And so there's probably 100 families, and out of those 100, 100 families, and I'm guessing, I, I promise, I'm guessing, 10 of those families could, may be able to give as much as everybody gives. And so God is just saying, will you play your part? Okay, that's that small piece. Let me keep going. Uh, that 770, and then... He's saying to have a single-mindedness, a single-mindedness about serving God and doing his will and being a part and starting a life group. Some of, you, some of you need to start a life group in the name of Jesus, okay? Some of you have the ability, you have the home, you have the smarts, you have the wherewithal, you have the giftedness. Let's go ahead and actuate. Let's start a life group. Some of you need to teach a Bible study. Some of you need to join sisterhood. Some of you need to get an Ironman. Why? Not just for you because there's a bunch of people that need you. <laughs> There's a bunch of people that need you and they're waiting to see somebody with a sword and a trowel and then they'll have courage, sword and a trowel, and we report by families. <laughs> All in decision, single-mindedness. In six, two, and three, Sanballat and Tobiah come to Nehemiah and they're trying to trick him. How do you know people are going to try to trick you? I said, hey, 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 what are you doing at church? I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you do? I mean, come on, you know what I mean? Hey, it's beautiful. Tampa's beautiful. It is beautiful, isn't it? I love it. But God, and, and so he says, let me, let me read this scripture to you. Here's what he says, verse seven. But they were scheming to harm me, verse three. So I sent messenger to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and I can't go down. Very famous verse in Nehemiah. Why should the work stop while I leave it to go down to you? And God is saying to all of us, you don't have to answer them when they threaten you and they try to trick you. You just say, I'm going to church and I'm going with my family and we're going to serve and we're going to give and we're going to pray and we're going to see the glory of God fall on our house. <laughs> we're going to see it. I'm not messing with y'all. 
Ain't nobody got time for that. We want to live together. Let me encourage you to, to eat. Can, can we eat around the dinner, dinner table one or two times a week? Come on. Can we try? You guys are like, mm. can we try? Let's live together one or two times a week. New covenant. I know it's difficult for some. Some of you are like, we eat together every night. If you eat together every night, talk to me after service. Uh, you, are, you are the American family. I mean, that's amazing. There's a lot of busyness out there. You, you, let, let's one or two times a week. One or two times a week around the family with your kids. Talk about life. Talk about school. Talk about things together in community again. One or two times a week. Serve together. Our student pastors at all three campuses are fasting. They've been fasting and they've been asking God. They've, two weeks now, they've been doing nothing but liquids. And they're fasting and they're asking God for the heart of your sons and daughters. I want to say to those of you who are over there, I think, I think we can bring our sons and daughters to meet those pastors who are fasting for them. Don't we? It's something whenever you, you say to God, God, I'm, I'm going to just have broth or liquid for 21 days. Why? Because I care about the heart of students. I care. Like that's a, that's a huge deal. Some of you, I said, you know what I mean? No dinner tonight. <laughs> right? Wow. I mean, this is, this, is a real, this is a real thing. You know, our sons and daughters are just like this. They're in the balance. And then we pray together. They say, well, what, do we, what should we pray? If we sit around the dinner table and we serve God together, we go to church and we serve and we alternate one and we serve one and we go to service and all those things. We have life group and we extend ourselves a little bit. We go to a life group or start a life group. We bring my kids. What do we pray? The Bible. <laughs> we pray right from here. Psalm 91, and I'm going to wrap it up. Psalm 91. <clears throat> Let me get to it. I didn't have it earmarked. <laughs> Psalm 91, 9 through 16. Psalm 91 is a little bit longer. All right, are you with me? Can we pray? All right. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. I pray this for your home. I pray this for your children. I pray this, the glory of God on your house. Then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. Then they will lift you up in their hands. This is a messianic prayer about Jesus as well. You can pray this over your family every single day. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways that will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Guess who that is? 14, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him and I will protect him for he acknowledges my name and he will call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Can we thank the Lord? Come on. Can we thank him? That's right. I was sharing a little bit about the message and I had one of our staff fathers say to me, his adult son said to him, he said, dad, what you've been praying over us all those years, it's in the Bible. <laughs> dad had memorized Psalm 91 had been praying it and his son is in the Bible and found the scripture and found the corollary between what his dad had been praying for him all these years and the fact that it's in print in Psalm 91. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool.
In Ezekiel 47, 1 through 9, I'll end like this. There's a vision of God's glory coming into the temple. And so what God is saying is, I don't want to just build concrete and walls. I want to build you. I want the glory of God to rest in your house and in this house and in your house. In the brick and mortar, I also want it inside of you. And in Ezekiel chapter 47, the glory of God comes into the temple and first it's a little trickle and it's ankle deep water. And then it's up to their knees, then it's up to their waist, and then it's a river. And the Bible says that on either side of that river, there was a great many plants and animals. And, and as it flowed, it flowed into the Dead Sea. And if you've ever been to Israel, you see the Dead Sea. I mean, it's a salt pan, highest salt content of the world. And the Bible says, because of the glory of God in the temple coming out of the temple, out of our hearts, out of your house, out of this house, the, the saltiness is taken away and the freshness comes into the life of the water, through the life of the water. And it, how many of you would love for the picture of your life to be a flowing river so that the people around you flourish? Wow. In John chapter seven, on the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he called out with a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Here's the invitation, simple invitation. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water would flow from his inner man. He was speaking about the spirit whom those who believed in him would receive. For the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus hadn't been glorified yet. So the connection is to the water who is the spirit who is the productivity. And I just want to give you an invitation to trust Christ now, okay? Those of you who are online, those of you who are in the house, would you join me like this? Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, every heart say, Lord Jesus. I surrender. I give you my life. Make me fruitful. Multiply life out of my life. We hope you enjoyed that message from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. Don't forget you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch where you can watch all of our live services and our on-demand videos plus content for kids, students, and young adults. We encourage you to come out for noon prayer every Wednesday at 12 o'clock at our Tampa campus for a time of worship and seeking the Lord. Come hungry to experience His presence. And we can't wait to worship with you next weekend.